Well, I want to say what an honor it is to have brother and sister Wilmoth here from Southern California. Yes. And uh, I have known Brother Wilmoth for a few years now, and an amazing man, an amazing man. He's worn more than just a few hats. He, uh, they built an incredible church in Redlands, California. He, for many years, was the driving force behind Hope Corps. And all of our alumni say, oh, come on. All of our alumni say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. He's also a globe-trotting evangelist. He spends a lot of time on the missionary field. And his precious wife accompanies him. It really is an honor to have both of them here. He was here in our very first SOTAD uh, that we hosted several years ago down at the Davenport Hotel. He's an incredible man, multi-anointed multi man. We want him to come. Let's put our hands together under the Lord in honor of the man of God. Somebody go ahead and shout unto the Lord. Let's raise our hands and let's give the Lord some great high praise right now. Father, you are great. You are mighty. You're everlasting. You're El Shaddai. You're the almighty God. I give you praise and glory. I give you praise and glory. Amen. And it is a special treat for my wife and I to be here with your pastor and his wife. I'm going to let you be seated for just a second. And uh, they are some of the most incredible people. What do you think, church? Come on, Cornerstone. I want to hear you. Give it up for your pastor, his wife. Come on, there's one standing. Do I have any more? Yo, 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 yo! Yeah, let's get them. Hallelujah. And uh, they are so special. Brother Mayo and myself, our roots are out of the same tree. We come, and both of us are in the ministry as a product of Brother Nathaniel Wilson and Sister Wilson. And uh, that's very special. So he's really my brother, not just my brother uh, in the Lord, but my brother in ministry. And Sister Mayo's really my sister. Because I go way back with her. Her grandma was my Sunday school teacher. Her mama was my Sunday school teacher. Her dad and 
Jim and Uncle Bob. Yeah. Bob took me on a motorcycle ride when I was about five years old and we wiped out. Yeah. In fact, we've got eight millimeter pictures. My mom does movies of I must have been about five years old and we were at a at a park, our church was Hadley Hills, and uh, playing baseball, and they let me bat. Well, you know, I'm not the fastest runner, but I do run, so don't worry. And um, so they picked me up and began to run to first base with me. So my memories with the Bertram family go way, way back. And let me tell you, you might not think much of the Bertrams. <laughs> you know, it's always hard with in-laws, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but let me tell you, they were special people in my life and I love them and this was the littlest one but buddy can she sing woo girl woo and I'm glad to have my wife with me and uh an incredible woman and one that has made me be a better man. And Sister Sergeant is shaking her head, yes. She knows. She's made me a lot better, right, sis? Yeah. Well, I've been freezing to death since I've been up here since Friday. I should have brought some Southern California sunshine with me. Ah, yeah. Warm us up. But I feel like the Holy Ghost and fire is already in this building. I feel like it's already warmed up. Hallelujah. 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 So I'm excited about what God is going to do for you and this church. And there's just incredible things happening here. This building is so beautiful and wonderful. And God is just multiplying his blessings to you. And it's because of good people of God. Oh, yeah, I, 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 pastors are important. Pastors' wives are important. But let me tell you, I always told my boys, I have three of them, just be good men of God, faithful saints of God. If God calls you into the ministry, thank God. But if he doesn't, let me tell you, just be the best child of God, man of God in the church. Be faithful with your finances. Be faithful with your attendance. Give everything you've got to God. 
So thank God for the saints. I love the holy ones of God. The saints of God. Why don't you stand up and turn to someone and tell them he loves you. Can you believe it? Now, I want to get everything set up here today. You know, I want to make sure I don't preach too long. And uh, so I'll just get this all set up here so you guys have got hope that there's an alarm that will go off, okay? So we'll just let it run. Okay, but I fooled you. I didn't set an alarm. It's just a stopwatch. There's a world of difference. <laughs> the alarm stops, but the stopwatch just keeps going on. <laughs> fooled you, didn't I? <laughs> well, this morning I was up early and I told my ambassador that, you know, maybe if I felt it, maybe I'd just have him come and preach this morning. And, you know, he, I think he got a little nervous there. But I told him something that I think is in my life very true. You know, getting up here right now, it's easy. You say, oh, it's, it'd be hard. Oh, no, it's easy. This is easy. This is easy right here. Piece of cake. The hard thing is before trying to find the mind of God. That's where the job's at. That's where the burden's at. That's where the struggle's at. Because you're the people of God. You're the sheep of God's pasture. I've got to somehow lead you to places where you can eat. I've got to lead you by the still water to drink. And I've got to somehow get you to a place that some souls lay down and restored. So this is a big deal. It's the wrestling before. It's where the pressure's at. Because I got to do the will of God. Not my will. And so because of that, that's the struggle. And this morning early, the Lord and I were working together. I want to go to the book of Philippians very, very familiar scripture. Very familiar scripture. Let's talk about this, this book. This, this letter, this epistle, this letter that Paul writes to the church at Philippi. This congregation is probably the one that is most closest to his heart. 
when you begin to read this letter, you begin to feel the emotional tug that he has with these people as he talks about bowels of feeling things deep within. When he talks to them about what they do and how they should experience joy, etc. He talks in this book about that what worry about nothing, pray about everything. He talks about keeping your mind right by thinking on these things, things that are true. Talks about guarding your heart. He will let us know that that's a very important thing to do is to guard our hearts. This is the church. It's in Macedonia area, which is kind of a northern Greece area that he had a vision about. He really wanted to go eastward to Bithynia and Asia. But in the book of Acts, the church always and people always go to another level because there's a vision that they get in the spiritual. And so it's not by chance that Peter will preach on the day of Pentecost and mention that old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions. Because that word vision takes Peter to the next level from being a prejudiced Jew to going down to Cornelius' house. It takes Cornelius from being this Gentile, good man, a prayerful man, a man that gives, but a vision happens and it takes him to the next level that he is filled with the Holy Ghost. It takes the greatest persecutor of the church, Paul, and he has a vision and he goes to the next level and becomes the greatest propagator of the, of the church. Now he's had a vision. He wants to go, but God says, no, I got a new area for you. I want to introduce you to Europe. You want to stay in Asia, but I want to take you to Europe. And so the Macedonian call opens up a brand new continent for Paul. And so now he goes to Philippi. I want to read here in the third chapter, 14th verse, 13th verse, and uh, 14th verse. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehended, but this one thing I do, one thing, one thing I do. Now, isn't it interesting that by using that phrase, he's emphasizing a great priority. He's emphasizing his focus. If I had to, well, there's many things I do, but he said, this one thing I do, 
I focus on this. It's very important. Forgetting those things which are behind. Reaching forth into those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I want to preach on this subject. The seduction to return. The seduction to return. It's important to understand today that God is wanting each one of us to push past to push back our past and to push into our future. You got to remember that your future is greater than the security and the pleasures of your past. You've got to understand your future is powerful, dynamic. Your future is great. I don't care what you've done in the past. I'm here to tell you your future, friend, is before you. And great things can happen in your life greater than you've ever imagined, ever believed. But understand, there's always a seduction to return. But you got to forget the past. Let's pray right now. Father, I pray that you would reach down and help us today. Talk to us today, God. Guide us. I pray your anointing is on me, God. Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Anointed One. Let that anointing be on these people that they would receive the word of God. Let this anointing be on me that I would proclaim it. I ask it, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. When we think about the word seduction, it is the thought to persuade individuals to disobedience or disloyalty. It's to lead astray usually by false promises. Promises that are not really true and real. Seduction is, well, we could use the word that biblically that it's used often, temptation, the idea of being tempted and pulled away from following after God. It's something that attracts or charms us. It's got a way of wooing us, pulling us, and making us there fall underneath its power. Everyone's temptation is different. What's a temptation for me will not be a temptation for you. What's a temptation for you will not be a temptation for me. 
I look at the word of the Lord, and as I do, we can learn many things out of the different characters and the stories that are in the word of God. The word of God is always applicable at every time, every people, every culture. Because in all reality, it's about a God that has never changed and human nature that is the same no matter the color, no matter the size, no matter the gender. They are all the same thing, same human natures. Doesn't matter. And so the Bible is about that God that is the same interacting with these human natures that are upon this earth. When I look here in the word of the Lord, I can see that probably one of the, the ones that gets pulled in temptation the most is, and really uh, the end result is not very pretty, is Lot's wife. When I think about Lot's wife, she's given instruction. She is to leave the city, Sodom. She is not to look back. And yet, when she is there making her way out and to safety, she fails in that and looks back and becomes a pillar of salt. It's interesting to me that Abraham can do the same thing. Abraham can look on the same city, but there it does not hold temptation for him. So what's temptation for Lot's wife is not temptation for Abraham. Abraham has a different temptation. His temptation is to same his own neck. His temptation is that what he struggles with being untruthful. He struggles with lying. I never see that Lot's wife ever has that temptation. I never see that she ever struggles with lying. But Abraham wants to save his own neck. And so he is struggling with lying by saying, What? My wife is my sister. He doesn't do this one time. He does it multiple times. He does it at least twice that he uses the same thing. So his temptation is different than Lot's wife's temptation. I think it's very important today to learn this one thing. Everybody's got different things that can seduce them, that can pull them back. But you cannot sit in a seat of judgment and judge people because of their temptation and the things that they're wrestling with. you got to understand, we've all got stuff. We're all human beings. We've all got weaknesses. We've all got things that we're fighting against. 
We're all fighting against the very nature of the flesh. We're fighting against hell itself. But understand, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I do not have to be seduced by temptation. You see, he is, it's, it's so different, so different, this whole idea of seduction to return. Perhaps to me, one of the, uh, the eye-openers that began to bring me down this trail was as I began to look at Israel. I began to see Israel, the people of God. The people of God that are in uh, slavery in Egypt. They have felt the whip of the back, uh, on their back, from the taskmasters of Egypt. They do not live in houses that they own. They live perhaps in some type of public uh, housing that is owned by Pharaoh, their slaves. They, they do not have uh, at this point uh, everything that they want. They do not have freedom. They can't just go any place they want to. They can't just do anything they desire. They are under the authority of Pharaoh. What does Pharaoh need? What does Pharaoh want? And so they are their slaves. They are calling out and desirous of freedom. They want somehow to be free. They want to get out of this position the spot they're in. They feel it upon their backs. They see it in the eyes of their children. And when they begin to talk, they wonder when will we ever get out of here. They're looking for hope, but it doesn't seem like hope is very present as they look at life. Doesn't look very good to them. But God hears their cry and God sends a deliverer by the name of Moses. Understand this one thing, church. No matter what you're facing, no matter what the taskmaster, the devil's trying to do to you, do to your home, do to the church, do to your family, you got to understand prayer. You got to cry out to God. You got to trust God. You got to say, God, send a Moses, send a deliverer. God, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know where, but I know the Lord hears the prayer of the righteous. The Lord hears the prayer of the righteous, but he's far from the wicked. That's why you got to make up in your mind today, I got to live righteous because I got to have my prayers answered. I got some stuff I need to have answered. I don't want God not to hear my cry 
righteous living is a prerequisite to seeing my prayers answered. I need God. I need God. I need God in my family. I need God in my kids. I need God for my grandkids. So I'm going to live righteous. I am going to live right. I'm going to talk right. I'm going to walk right. I'm going to make up in my mind. God's the only one that can help. I can't fix it. It's bigger than me. I know only God can do it. So these people get a deliverer. And when they get this deliverer, he begins to lead them out. Wow. Look how they go out. They go out in style. What happens? There is literally... A spiritual war that's going on in Egypt. The gods of the Egyptians are there in warfare against Jehovah. Yes, they are there and they're trying to see who's the strongest. You got to understand that these creatures... These plagues are literally a display of the warfare that's going on. It's a war that, friend, when it's all said and done, Jehovah is El Shaddai, the almighty God. It's a war that what? It doesn't matter what happens. I'm here to tell you God is in control just like the choir sang today. It's a battle that seems big. It's a battle that seems great. But understand the people of God are kept away from those problems and they only happen to those Egyptians and the people of God are victorious. They journey out. (laughs) One obstacle, the first obstacle is the Red Sea. But there God opens the Red Sea And there they march across on dry land. They turn around. Miriam has the women. They're ready to sing. The tambourine is about ready to play. They turn and they look. And there Pharaoh and his army begin to think that they can come across. And when they do, Moses stretches his rod. And all of a sudden, the greatest army of its day is wiped out. 
by the hand of the almighty God. It was El El on the most exalted God that was in charge. It was the God that was higher than every other God. It was the God that was not a God of the mountain but a God that was higher in heaven because the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool and the clouds are the dust of this God's feet there's nothing small that he can nothing too big that he cannot solve but there's a problem The problem is this. Though victory has came, understand this. God never wanted them to go back to Egypt. He said, I I never want you to go back. I don't want you to go back. I want you to go forward. I want you to go to the place I've got for you. I've got a promised land. You're going to live in cities you didn't build. You're going to reap from vineyards you did not plant. You're going to have your own homes. You're going to be a nation. You're going to be my people. You're going to be incredible. They had a hope of a future. They had something that they could press forward to. They had something that they could look to. We are going to be free men. We're going to be free men. But notice what happened. They kept looking back to Egypt. To go to the next level was a struggle. They had a slave mentality. A mentality that they could not think like free people with hope and a future. A mentality that they, well, 400 years they had been slaves. 400 years they had been told when to get up, when to go to bed, what to do, when to work, do everything. And now they had a hope, but they were struggling to enter into that dimension of being free people with the blessings of God. I want you to understand that devil will always try to seduce you to go back. The devil will always try to seduce you to leave God. The devil will do everything he can to get you to go back to your old ways. But you've got to make up in your mind, I am a child of God. I've got a future in God. I don't care what I used to do in Egypt. It doesn't have a hold on me no my God is gonna deliver me I'm a free person I've got blessings in the Lord the struggle the struggle was 
was there. The struggle. Constantly, they are looking back at Egypt. Whenever there's a problem, whenever there's a situation, it's what? Why did you get us out here, Moses? You wanted us to die. Would to God we were back in Egypt. It didn't matter. They struggled even with Moses as a leader. They wanted to make other leaders. They wanted to go back to Egypt. When Moses leaves them for 40 days and goes to the top of the mountain, what do they do? They struggle. And here they want there to be gods that are created. They take the gold and the silver that was they got as the spoils from the Egyptians for being what? Slaves for 400 years. They took that. That was to be used to build the tabernacle. That was to be used to build the Ark of the Covenant, the laver, uh, the candlestick. It was to be used on all of the poles and other things that were there in the tabernacle. But what do they do? They take that same gold that, and they put it in the fire. They mold what uh, they make calves what are those those calves were the representation of a god of Egypt they couldn't get it out of their mind they couldn't get it out of their spirit and when a problem came they began to raise up and there began to depend upon those gods but those gods never saved the Egyptians it would never save Israel you've got to understand the bottle won't save you the old drug habit won't save you the old things you used to do they didn't help you at all you just about blew your brains out when you were out there don't you ever think that you can go back and it will be different it will be the shame and even worse it will be worse than you ever believed it didn't help you then did it didn't help you then it wasn't an escape then what makes you think that it's gotten any better out there? I'm here to tell you it's worse than it's ever been. You better thank God you're in the house of God. You better thank God you're in the church of the living God. You better thank God that you got the Holy Ghost. You got the Spirit of God in you. I don't want you to ever go back stand still see the salvation of the Lord 
which he'll show you this day. You got to understand, life is going to happen. Life is going to happen whether you're in the church or you're the worst sinner that's walking the street. Life is going to happen. Things are going to get hard sometimes. Some things are going to happen that you never dreamed that could happen. Some things are going to happen that weigh you down. Some things you never expected. Some things that were unseen. Oh, yeah. Notice what happened when Jesus is carrying the cross. There's a man there, and he is from Lydia. And there from northern Africa, he's there with his family for the Passover. And all of a sudden, there the Roman guard looks, and there puts a spear in a stomach when Jesus stumbles with the cross beam. And there has no strength to carry it, he turns to the man and he says, pick it up, pick it up. It's not mine. I didn't want it. I didn't ask for it. I didn't do anything to do this. You better pick it up. You got to understand in life, there are unexpected crosses that you never bargained for. They were not yours. Someone else did it to you, maybe as a child, but you got to pick it up you gotta follow Jesus you gotta say I'm your disciple I don't care I don't care because picking up your cross and following Jesus will mean the difference in your family hard times are gonna come hard moments problems Physically, problems emotionally, things will happen. And if you're not careful, the devil will say, you know what? If you were really living for God, that wouldn't happen. Hang it up. Hook it. Forget about it. It's no better here than what it used to be. Look at you're facing problems. You see, when you face problems, that's when the devil comes in and tries to seduce you to go back. Just pull back a little bit. Oh, you don't have to pray like you were praying. You, you, you don't have to pray. I know you're, you, 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 they're in a, a series of prayer. But just pull back a little bit. Because look at what's going on. you got to understand, pulling back never works. Pulling back never works. you got to understand, you pull back and try to walk ahead. You'll fall flat on your face because you cannot see what's in front of you. When you're looking behind you and you're being pulled to go back to the old lifestyle, the old world, you're going to fall flat on your face if you think you can walk 
for God and pull back. You can't do it. You can only push forward. You can only reach farther. You can only say, I'm going higher. I'm going higher than I've ever been. The analogy that Paul gives is what? A runner running a race. When you turn and you look over your shoulder as you're running, you lose speed. You lose concentration. You lose focus. Runners that are running a race, they are told... Forget about everybody else. Just do this one thing. Run against yourself. Don't worry about their time. Worry about you're going to have your best time that you've ever had. Don't look around. Don't look over your shoulder. Don't think. Because if you do, it's not going to be pretty. you got to somehow forgetting those things. One thing that I do, I forget those things which are behind me. I forget. Think about Paul. Did he have anything that he had to wrestle against? Yes, he did. Notice you see how he thinks about himself when he there describes himself to the groups that he's part of. For Paul, there's only three groups. Saints, apostles, and sinners. When he's with a group, he says... I'm least of all the apostles. I'm less than least of all the saints. I am, he says to Timothy, present tense. I am the chiefest of sinners. What did he had to struggle with? He had to struggle with being there at the what? The murder of Stephen and holding the coats. He had to struggle with. He had got what Christians men and women fathers and mothers and kids he got them killed how did he do it he had to forget about it he had to say I can't go there because if I go there I'll give up if I go back to that old thought of what I used to do and what used to happen if I go back in that thought of that old sin I gotta put it under the blood I gotta let God know I'm with you God I don't care what happens I'm moving forward I'm moving onward I'm moving upward you see they constantly desire to go back they what we don't have water. You brought us out here to kill us. What? You brought us into this land. We're going to die by the sword. Wouldn't it have been better for us to return to Egypt? We don't have security here. What was the problem? 
The problem with all temptation and seduction is this. You remember the good and not the heartache. You remember the good, but not the heartache. They remembered the garlics and the onions, the leeches. They remembered the security. But they did not remember the whip, the pain, the loneliness. They did not remember how they were literally abused mentally. You're slaves. You're nothing. Don't ever forget it. They didn't remember the heartaches. Temptation always paints a picture of beauty and never shows you the heartache. He did not want them to go back to Egypt because in all reality, the Egyptians were sinners. He wanted the Canaanites to be destroyed because the sin that what? They were the most rankest that there has been. He did not want them to be influenced. They were the people of God. He wanted them to go forward. He wanted them to understand. He did not want them to go back because he did not want them to learn of the Egyptian ways. There was a generation that would be born in that in the wilderness. He didn't want that generation to know about the ways that they had in Egypt. He wanted them to be pure and clean. He wanted them to enter in. He didn't want them to go back and let their young ones be influenced by those gods. Be influenced by that sinful way that carnal nature he said no don't go back don't go back don't look back keep pressing forward you got kids you got children they don't need to see what you used to be and used to do they don't need to experience all the hell hole that you were in they need to reach forward they need to never experience it and don't go back to it because when you go back you drag them with you You see, they struggled. Because they wanted to return. Seduction is multiplied. The seduction to return is multiplied 
when love for something or someone else has developed in your heart. Outward actions often they are can, can be consistent with our thoughts. Sometimes they're not, though. But what we've got to understand is this. We've got to get sin out of our heart. This morning I was moved as I was reading the speech, the preaching of Stephen. As he gives the longest discourse in all of the book of Acts. What does that tell me? Luke only had in a scroll that hands could handle. If you rolled it out, it could only be 33 feet because when you rolled it together, you couldn't unroll it. But he spends more time on Stephen's message than any message that he records of Paul. Any message that Peter preaches, including the day of Pentecost. That's priority to him. That's important to him. Because Stephen's message is what? It's the message that the Jews are rejecting the church. They rejected Jesus in his earlier writing. Now they reject the church. Stephen gives the history lesson and gives an Old Testament survey of Israel. He has been arrested because he has spoken, they said, against the temple and the law of Moses. He is proving the point that God's program has changed. He spoke to Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia. He called Joseph, and Joseph was in Egypt. Moses was in where? He was on the backside of the desert, Midian, when he met God. He was showing that God is not relegated to a temple. But God spoke to Abraham in Mesopotamia. God spoke to Joseph in Egypt. And God called Moses in Midian. And then he goes and says, even the law did not come in the promised land. But it came where? It came in the desert. The plan of God has moved. But there's always been this one problem.
Israel has fought against at every time. And he made a statement in the 39th verse that stuck out to me this morning. Because it had what? Egypt in their heart. They had what? They had that thought. We want to turn back again to Egypt. He says, where was it at? It was in their heart. Oh, my God. Get sin out of my heart. I got to have sin out of my heart. I can't have sin in my heart. (laughs) Because if I do, I'll reject God. I'll go back. I don't want to return to Egypt. I've come so far. I've come too far. Pastor, we've come too far. We can't go back. We can't go back. Get it out of my heart. Get it out of my heart. I can't have it in my heart. You see... The seduction of sin, that attraction of sin, it's there. Paul says it like this. He talks to the church at Ephesus, the second chapter, and he says, what? You're dead in your trespasses and sins. He goes on to say this one thing. You used to walk by the pattern, the course of this world. You used to walk by, that's how the neighborhood lived. That's how my family always did it. That's how you used to walk, the course of this world. And then he said, you know what else? Your mind got curious. You see, your mind gets curious when it comes to sin. What's it like? Curiosity in the mind is all of a sudden it what that temptations there and the mind gets curious. You're not born with a desire for alcohol. You're not born with a desire for drugs. No. You're not born with that desire. It's what? It's a curiosity that gets a hold of you. What's it like to experience that? What's it like? And what? It's a curiosity. And then what happens? You experience sin. You interact with it. And then what happens? The constant interaction with the sin produces and leads to the love of sin. Sin continues to interact with your mind and your body. Then what happens? Your emotions get connected with it. That's the heart 
That's the heart. What happens? The what? The when sin interacts, the habit of sin leads to enjoyment by the body, the mind, and the emotions. The whole totality of a human being, their body enjoys it, their mind wants it, and then what? Their emotions want it. They are totally immersed or baptized in sin, and the stronghold of sin, if you're going to break it, you've got to break the power it has on your body, your mind, and emotions. You've got to break the experience of it. You've got to break what? Your body's interaction with it. So you can't go to that bar. You can't go to those old friends you used to have. Your body has got to get away. That was the first thing for God to take Israel higher. He had to get their bodies out of Egypt. He had to get their bodies out of Egypt because as long as they were in Egypt, their body Food, water, we're all there. You got to get something in you that I'm not going to the old places. I'm not going to the old haunts. I'm not going to the old friends. I'm getting away. I can't let my body go there. That's the first step. She gets out of Egypt, Israel. But she has mentally the memories and emotions about Egypt. You see, that's what was happening with Lot's wife. Her body was getting out, but her mind and her emotions were still there. Her mind was there. Were there other were there friends there? Were there other possible daughters there? There was for sure possible what son-in-laws that could have been there. Her body got out, but her mind didn't. Her emotions didn't. Israel's body got out of Egypt, but the mind didn't. And the emotions. That's why you better get off of all the junk that's on the internet, brothers and sisters. That's why you've got to make up in your mind, I am not going there. Because it takes my mind where I don't want to go. And I can't go. And it takes my emotions. And if my mind goes there. My emotions go there. My body will end up there. I can't do it. So I got to keep myself pure. I got to make sure I'm not looking at the junk. I got to make sure I've got something guarding me. I got to make sure I've got accountability person because my mind. I'm out. I'm out. I'm in the church. But my mind, my emotions... You see, you see, 
your emotion of love for sin has got to change to hatred for sin. You can't, your emotions are going to be there. But it's got to change. It's got to change. From what? It's got to change from a love for that sin to it's a what? It's a hatred for it. I know what it does. I know emotions relate to the heart. Emotions relate to the heart and are powerful. The Bible speaks often of the heart. And the word of the heart can mean a lot of things in its context. But most often, the heart refers to the soul of a human being. Their soul controls their emotions and their will. That's why the heart has got to be protected. Guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. Guard it. Protect it. Because if you're not careful, that's where your will is. That's where your emotions are. All of a sudden, you won't have the backbone you used to have against sin. All of a sudden, it won't be there any longer. But instead of having a backbone to stand against sin, you'll be wishy-washy. You'll be up and down. you got to get something in you today that says, I hate sin. I hate what it does. I hate how it destroys. I hate the pain. I hate it. Understand, myself and my wife, understand our homes were hell holes. When you understand my wife's mother was married six times, gave away of her five children, adopted three of them out. When you understand that she was saved off of a bus route. That's how she came to God. She didn't have a dad and mom to live for God. When you understand her sister that died, oh yes, was a bag of bones because of drugs. She had been homeless. And then many times we helped as much as we could. We did everything we could. When you understand that, hell hole would you understand that what uh, where I came from from a dad that was abusive to my mother to a dad that my stepsister shot my stepbrother shot when you understand I don't come out of anything that's perfect I come out of just people that were sinners when you realize all of that friend you'll see why I've got a hatred for sin I hate what sin does it destroys a home it destroys a family it destroys children you gotta get a hatred for it (laughs) 
You gotta get it out of your heart. You gotta give it out of your heart. You have to understand. God's solution for Israel was this. God's solution was this. The only solution for Egypt, the only solution for idolatry. You ended up in Babylon and Assyria. You wouldn't obey my word. The only solution, God said, is this. A heart transplant. You can't fix it yourself. You're not going to make it better. He said to Ezekiel, I got to have, they got to have a new heart. Got to get a new heart. There's got to be a transplant. There's got to be a transplant. You can't fix it. We're not going to be with a bypass. Oh, no. You can't fix it. Oh, no. With a pacemaker. You can't fix their heart that way. They got to have a heart transplant. There's got to be a new heart that's put in them. There's got to be a new spirit that gets a hold of them. There's got to be something that changes everything. You got to have a heart transplant. You got to get the Holy Ghost, you gotta get the Spirit of God in you. You gotta get that. Because the nature of sin and the nature of flesh is so powerful that the only solution is a new heart. I'll give you a new heart and new spirit I'll put within you. I'll take away the stony heart of your flesh. Put my spirit in you. Cause you to walk in my statutes that you keep my judgments and do them. Why? Because I got to get these emotions out of you. That's tied to sin. I got to get these emotions out. I've got to understand the only way that heart is changed is by the Spirit of God. You don't have enough willpower to do it. You need the Holy Ghost. You need the Spirit of God. You need God to come inside of you and rip out that old lifestyle, those old curious thoughts. You need him to rip out all of those emotions. You need to rip them out and say, no, I've given you a new heart, a heart to obey God, a heart to walk in the Holy Ghost, a heart to follow the man of God, a heart of submission to the God and his word. That's what you got to have. I'm going to give you a new heart so there is an inner inclination to obey the word of God. I'm going to put what? 
I'm going to make sure you got the right relationship. I will be your God and you will be my people. You will all know me. There'll be the knowledge of God. I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. There is the forgiveness of sins when there is a whole heart that is changed and taken out. you got to understand, what do I have to do when I have a new heart? I've got to keep it. i got to protect it. i got to guard it. i got to guard it. I got to watch out for it. I got to understand that what? I got to keep these emotions in check, these thoughts in check. What? I got to realize that what I've got to learn to do is have prayer every day. I got to have a daily devotion with God. I got to have a very a tongue talking time with God every day. I got to get my nose in that book. <laughs> I got to read. It. I gotta study it. I gotta live it. That why Paul said in Corinthians, for which cause we faint not, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day, every day. I gotta keep that heart in check. I gotta keep those emotions in check. I got a new heart. I got a new way. There's a new man walking in my shoes. I don't do the things I used to do but I gotta protect it so I'm gonna pray every day. I'm gonna read that word I'm gonna fast I'm gonna keep my body under subjection I'm gonna fast because I'm keeping sin at bay because why I've gotta keep my heart Fasting helps me stay in alignment with the will of God. With the will of God. I've got to renew my mind. I've got to what? I've got to take what? I've got to replace self-focused thoughts and thinking with God-focused mindset. Too many people I know that what happens, they get self-focused. I, 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 I have a right to be happy. I have a right to have joy. I have a right, and they focus on themselves what they don't have. What they don't have. You got to renew your mind and quit being self-focused. No, I got to be God-focused. I got to be God-focused. It's not about me feeling good. It's not about my happiness. It's not about what I think. It's about pleasing him. It's not about pleasing my flesh. It's not about doing my own will. It's about his will. It's about pleasing him. It's about him smiling at me. I've got to keep my heart from being divided as I close. I've got to keep it from being divided. Ezekiel says in 11, 
in the NIV. He writes and he says this. He says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I want an undivided heart. I, want, I don't want a heart that's thinking about this world. I want a heart that's thinking about that world. I want a heart that's looking onward, upward, forward. I want a heart that is doing what? It's saying, God, here I am. Take me, God. I'm focused on you, God. No matter what, my worst day as a child of God would have been a, my best day as a sinner. <laughs> he said, I'll give them an undivided heart. I don't want a divided heart. Because why? A double-minded man is unstable. A divided heart. They're unstable in all of their ways. There's nothing worse than the collision of two opposite thoughts in your mind. You're having a disconnect. Opposing views are in your mind at the same time. Double-mindedness is sickness of heart. Double-mindedness, you can't correct it with medicine. You got to recognize it. You got to treat it. Double-mindedness has symptoms. James says it's unstable. Paul said, it's like a wave that's driven by the wind and tossed. To be double-minded is you vacillate. You're inconsistent. You act one way today, and you act another way tomorrow. When you got an unstable mind, you lack convictions. A person with a double mind lives by a double standard. It's two-faced, double-tongued. It's deceitful, it's treacherous. You can't have confidence in a double-minded man. The wise man said it like this, confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint.
I need help in my heart today. What can I do? I can come to this altar right now. I could say, Lord, here I am. I'm not perfect. I'm human. I got my struggles. Help me, Lord. God, I'm scared. I can't take the chance. I can't be seduced to return back. So I'm starting with my heart, God. Here I am, God. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Jesus, help me. I need you. Help me. I'm scared. If that's you today, I'd get to this altar. You're human. You're going to fight the seduction to return. But you got to make it a matter of prayer. And you just got to be humble and say, God, here I am. Stand with me right now. Who's here? Who's here? Come. Come. Come right now. Come on. It's all right. Come help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. My heart be right. My mind be right, God. Help me, Lord. It's all right. Cry out to Him. He loves you. He loves you. Help my heart, God. I can't go back. I want everybody to come this morning. Could everybody come? Just for me, I'm a visitor and I won't be back, but just come for a moment. Just come for a moment and say, God, help me. Help me, God. I need you in my heart, God. I need you in my life, God. I need you, God. I need you, God. Help me, God. Oh, God, here I am. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Lord. That's it. Open up your heart to God. Open it all up to God. Don't be afraid. He loves you. 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 Tell him all about it. Tell him all about it. Empty your soul. Empty your heart. Empty your heart right now. Empty it out. Get everything out, God. Get everything out of BJ Wilbur. Get everything, God. I don't want a divided heart. I don't want a divided heart. I want you, God. I want you. That's it. Cry out to God. Don't be afraid to let the tears stream down your face. Don't be afraid to cry out to God. Don't be afraid.